Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning at verse number 1. Then Elisha said, Hear you the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Verse 2. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned, uh, this is a royal officer, an advisor to the king, now, they're already in a famine. It's already gotten bad. Cannibalism is happening. It's so bad. And now the prophet says things are about to change. And a royal officer, the right-hand man to the king, says, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? In other words, what he was saying was, there ain't windows in heaven big enough, big enough to be able to reverse the curse that has happened to us. But the prophet said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men. Everybody say, four leprous men. At the gate, at the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. This is what you call a catch-22. This is being between a rock and a hard place. If we go in the city, they're starving and we're going to die there. If we sit right here, we're going to die. Now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. Pretty profound, huh? And if they kill us, we shall but die. I mean, that wasn't a rocket scientist that came up with that. He said, if we go to the enemy's camp and they let us live, then we live. But if they kill us, we're going to die. Amen. We only got one or two choices, really. We either sit here and die, or we're going to go there and take our chances. Amen. This was a time of great need in the nation of Israel, the northern part of the kingdom, under King Joram. In this battle with Syria, and while the prophet begins to prophesy that God's going to turn things around, some doomsdayer, some doubter, some you notice God always refers or infers doubt as evil. So I, I wouldn't be a stretch by saying this evil advisor said, how could this be even if there were windows in heaven? How could it turn around in the span of one day? And the prophet said, it's going to happen. And you're going to see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat of it. And then the four lepers said, well, we're going to die either way. Let's choose how we die. We either die just sitting here doing nothing, or at least we'll die trying to do something about it. Amen. I'll tell you my, my title in just a little bit, but I'm telling you, I feel faith in this house that somebody says I've been sitting long enough. I've been just dwelling on it and ruminating on it long enough. I've been sitting at this same wall for too long. I'm ready for my miracle today. I'm ready for my breakthrough today. I'm ready for something to change in my situation. Not next week, not next month, but right now. Amen. If you got that faith, I just want you to stretch your hands to heaven right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the great power and strength that we feel in this place. Lord, even, even an, an enthusiastic assurance and resolve in this house. 
that somebody determines to not leave here the same way they've come. Lord, I pray whatever the sickness, whatever the trial, whatever the struggle, Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to intervene in that situation. Let our faith arise together and unify to see the miraculous happen in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Would you give the Lord another thanks? Hallelujah. Come on, just give him a shout of praise while you're clapping your hands. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. When you begin to understand, and as many of you are familiar with this story, you see a very familiar setting where God's people get surrounded, where God's people... Uh, are in a battle and it seems all is hopeless. Let me say this to you this morning. Battles are a part of living for God. Amen. I don't mean to shock you too much, but if you're going to live for God, you're going to go through battles. Amen. But we don't say God takes us from battle to battle. We say God takes us from victory to victory, from glory to glory. The problem is some folks choose to fixate on the fight rather than glorify the victory. We get what we magnify. Let me say it again. We get what we magnify. If we talk about problems all the time, you're going to have a problem-filled life. If you talk about how bad things are, well, the things are always going to seem bad. If you always talk about how much you can't take anymore and how much you can't handle anymore, you have opened yourself up. For the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And you can speak it into existence whether it's a miracle or whether it's a tragedy. Faith is powerful enough that the word of faith can set somebody free in an instant. But doubt is strong enough to bring the curse or the, or the uh, demise upon somebody's life by merely opening their mouth and speaking about it. Amen. Uh, Job said when he went into his trial, he said, the thing that I have feared the most came upon me because faith has power to create things and so does fear in the negative. And so living for God, there's going to be battles. There's going to be struggles and there's going to be trials. That's just the way it is. There's no self-help book. There's no little, you know, trinket you can hang on your wall that's going to keep it away from happening. There's no little secret prayer you can pray that will keep the trials at bay. If you're going to live for God, there's going to be trials that you will encounter, and it's just a part of it. Amen. And so when we see Israel, we see them going through battle after battle, but victory also after victory. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and chapter 7, we find that Israel is now being surrounded. Uh, the city of Samaria and Joram was the king, and Joram was the king of northern Israel. The kingdom of Israel, had the nation of Israel had been broken up into kingdoms. And Joram has his capital city in Samaria. When Ben-Hadad was the king of, of Syria and their capital city was in Damascus, he comes in and as was the custom of warfare at that time, that the enemy would come in and surround the city. They would cut off water supplies. They would. Uh, this is why a lot of cities would try and dig wells where the water supply could not be cut off. And it wasn't a wise thing to have uh, a, a city, didn't matter how big the walls were, if you did not have access to a well. This is why Bethlehem was a prize because Bethlehem had a well. Remember David said, oh, one that, that one would give me water from the well of Bethlehem when it was being seized uh, by the Philistines. Amen. Because having that access, you could live, and it didn't matter if you were sieged, you could regroup, and you could uh, train new soldiers, and you could live in a siege, but not in Samaria. They were cut off. The enemy comes in and surrounds them all the way around, and they encamp around them. They outnumber them many times over. They cut off the food supply. They cut off the water supply. They cut off everything, and as it was... 
back in ancient warfare and all the way up into medieval times, they would surround the city and they would starve the people to death. That was their M.O. They would surround the city and they would cut off everything. There was no supplies going in and there was no supplies going out. Dysentery, cholera, all kinds of diseases would break out in the city. Until it, made, it didn't happen overnight. Sometimes it took two and uh, three years to surround the city for them to finally surrender. But it was the most dreaded type of warfare when you were surrounded and cut off with your family and, and surrounded by the enemy. And this is where our setting is this morning because now, now the king Joram and Elisha in the city is surrounded by the Syrian army and they are starving them out to the point Amen, that, that, that they were selling uh, dove dung for money and eating it, and it was at a high price. There was, I'm not going to go into the gory details, but, but, but cannibalism was things that were happening in the city. People were fighting, amen, over, over cannibalism. It was a horrid situation to be in. While the king of Syria uh, was all fat and sassy on the outside, and they were living in the lap of luxury, but, but now the northern most tribe of Israel is being starved out, amen, by, uh, by Benadad, the king of Syria. There was the same, uh, the, the same going on the outside in the leper colonies. They were starving themselves. Uh, I heard a quote one time. A man said, the story of your life is the story of the long, brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. In other words, he knows, the enemy knows what you can be and he fears it. And a lot of your battle in your walk with God is the enemy trying to keep you from what he knows you can be in God. It's the enemy trying to keep you from being what God has called you to be. Albert Einstein once said, the significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. In other words, your mentality has got to change. Amen. From the moment the problem existed to the moment you begin to solve it. Problems are always, listen to me, problems are always the doorway to the next level of growth. And that's why God allows us to experience them. You don't get from one grade to the next without passing a test that says you are now qualified to, well, I don't know if they do that anymore, but used to, you had to take a test to get from one grade to the next. That test determined whether you were qualified to be able to learn more or go into a higher level of learning. Amen. God does the very same thing. God allows problems in our life. Amen. To test us to see are we ready to become what God wants us to be. Amen. Are we going to be everything that God would entrust us to be. There's a lot of people that want the million dollar blessing but if God can't trust you with 50,000 a year he won't be able to trust you with a million a year Matter of fact, the Bible said if he finds you faithful over few things, he makes you ruler over many. Why? Because he's wanting to see when opposition comes your way, are you going to keep doing what is right? And problems are the doorway to the next level of growth. Albert Einstein also said, or at least it's attributed to him, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again but expecting a different result. How many people do we see living for God that do the same thing? They go through problem after problem and they try the same solution that never works. They're not able to figure it out and so they never graduate from that level. I've seen people fight the same trial for decades. I've seen people go through the same struggle trying to get victory for years. Why? Because every time they get put in the situation, they try something that does not work in their own mind or their own self rather than going to God. But I'm telling you this morning, if you're willing to put the battle in God's hands, God is able to bring a victory to your life. If you are willing to surrender to God, He is more than able to bring a victory to your life. But you, 
This morning, you've got to resist the spirit of the status quo. You've got to resist the place of complacency. You've got to risk uh, a risk leaving the zone of your comfort. Amen. You've got to risk being able to stand up and say, I don't know if that will work, but I for sure know this don't work. I don't know if I go there that this is going to work, but I know one thing, doing what I've been doing hadn't made a lick of difference. So I'm going to step out on faith, and I'm going to try something else because the status quo ain't going to cut it no more. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The royal officer was skeptical because he was contented with the status quo. Even if they were in peril, even if there was a famine, the royal officer had made up in his mind, I'm more comfortable in the death rows of starvation than I am believing God for anything else. I'm comfortable in my position. I'm comfortable barely surviving amen and if it's alright I'll just die this way because at least there's some comfort in where I am but if you're ever going to rise above where you are and what you've been you've got to have enough faith to rise up and say if God brought me this far he'll take me further I said if God brought me this far he's going to take me further there's so many people like that royal officer and maybe even some in this room this morning. Amen. When we talk about a God of a breakthrough and we talk about living in the miraculous, we have a hard time fathoming that it could be us. We have a hard time believing it could be my life that could be blessed. We have a hard time believing it could be my family sitting on this chair beside me. We have a hard time believing it could be that building in this city that we could be given miraculously. Because God did it for other people, but me, I don't know. You see, the status quo is easy to get attached to. I said the status quo is easy to get attached to because we get so comfortable with it and we think it works because we, we know it may not be great here but it's better than the unknown. But if you're ever going to step in the greatness of God, you have got to be willing to step up out of the status quo. You have got to be able to move out of your comfort zone and say, I don't know where this step may take me but I am willing to risk it all to get what God has promise my life I am willing to risk it all to see the things God has promised me I can sit here and die or I can move and I just might live I don't know about you this morning, but I feel a faith and a fire in my soul. Amen. I'm ready to see what God has just around the corner. I know what I've got here. I know what God is doing right, but I want to see more. I want to be a part of more. I want to do more. Oh, if you believe it, go ahead and shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I just can't stay here anymore. Amen. I am determined that if God is going to do something great in this city, he's going to do it through me. If God's going to do something great in this world, he's going to do it through me. If anybody's going to see a miraculous revival, it's going to be us. Now, First Church, you can look at me cross-eyed or you can let faith rise up in you right now because there is going to be an end-time harvest that's going to blow the mind of status quo religion and status quo churchology and status quo what we've understood. But there is going to be a remnant of people that say, I have sat by this gate long enough. I have believed long enough. It's time to put some movement with my faith. It's time to put some action with my belief. Hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You see, I know what God has called me to be. I know what God is calling me to do. You gotta have enough faith to believe it like that. I know what God is calling me to do. I know what God wants to do in my life. Amen, and I thank God for everything he's done, but there's more. Somebody shout more. Somebody shout more. Somebody shout more. 
Matter of fact, I was sitting over here this morning and I was thinking about that. There's more and not just more, but there's much more. And I was standing there thinking about that and I began to think about a message that Bishop Limonis preached at camp meeting. It was the M&M message. It was called Much More. And then he preached it again at the Spanish conference. And I was standing there thinking about that and I adjusted my jacket and I felt a lump in my pocket. And I reached down in my pocket and evidently the last time I wore this suit jacket was the last time Bishop Limonis preached that because he put an M&M package in my hand to believe for much more. And I find it no coincidence that there's some m and some much more that's in the pocket right now because I believe what God is trying to say to somebody this morning is I thank God for all that you've done, but there is more, yea, even much more that God wants to do in my life. Amen, I feel faith in this place. Amen. I'm going to step out on a limb at risk of being misunderstood and castigated, but I'm going to step out there anyway and say that when God called me into the ministry, he didn't promise me to have a little church in the corner of Yolo or Solano, but when God called me to the ministry, it was prophesied by many great men that we would see the ushering in of the greatest end time revival. And I don't care where it's in. You can parachute this priest into the desert in Death Valley and I'm going to see the greatest revival this world has ever known. You can drop me off in the tundra of Canada all by myself and I'm going to preach and there's going to be a great revival. You've got to have that kind of faith that God's called you for more. God's called you for more. Don't you settle for the gate. Don't you settle for just a little this and a little that. He's a God of more and a God of much more. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I remember my pastor telling me that. I remember when he sent me out to evangelize and Bishop Hurst began to tell me, he said, son, you're not going to preach in the churches everybody wants to preach in. He told me, son, you're going up here, you're going to be preaching in the Northwest. It's not a bastion of great revival that's known for great revival. He said, I know all your peers are in Bible college right now and I know they're all preaching at the big churches in Texas and Louisiana, Oklahoma, Mississippi, and Florida and I know you would really like to be in those pulpits. He said, but I'm going to tell you what God's going to do in your life. God's going to put you on the backside of nowhere. He's going to put you where everybody has written it off and you're going to see great revival. It's going to be a sign to you, amen, that no matter where you go, if you got faith, it doesn't matter if you're in Washington or Alabama. It doesn't matter if you're in New York or California. Wherever you go with faith and anointing, God's going to raise up a great and mighty revival. I remember being told that if you have 20 people get the Holy Ghost in one year of preaching revivals in the Northwest it would be a great revival amen but I went out evangelizing August 8th of 2000 amen and on August 3rd of 2001 one year later we had seen 907 people filled with the gift I'm saying that to tell you baby you have hitched your wagon to the right train if you want to see the I'm not going to apologize for the boldness and the faith I feel. If you want to see a mighty revival on the West Coast and in NorCal, you have hitched your wagon to the right horse. We're going to see it. It's going to be mind-blowing. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He's the God of more, much more. Amen. I can hear some folks saying right now, maybe we got some spectators online saying that preacher ought to be careful. He's being arrogant. Oh, no. I remember Bishop Hurst told me, he said, I I have been misunderstood. He said, but I know the anointing on my life. He said, son, if you don't get this, you'll be some little penny ante preacher in a podunk town. He said, but when God sent me to Texarkana, he said, because I'm here, this city is going to grow in population, and this city is going to 
expand in wealth because the anointing that is, I remember him preaching that and people getting offended at him like he was arrogant and he lost his mind. And then God raised, I'm telling you, Texarkana has more than tripled in size since I was a kid. Then God sends him to Hollister, some little podunk, a, a, a cabbage patch of Hollister, amen. There ain't nothing there. And all of a sudden in the last 15, 20 years, the population, I'm using that as an example to say that there is an anointing that gets on a church and there is an anointing that gets on leadership and there's an you don't gotta believe it I do I believe it enough for the both of us say pastor that's crazy no Yolo County's gonna grow you wanna know why because there's an anointing on this church say pastor California's shrinking but not where we are it's growing it's booming they're building houses you want to know why there's a destiny on our church somebody go ahead and declare it in faith right now that old royal officer amen I would ask I hope that this is okay but I don't give a plug if it is or not if it offends you, get happy in the same shoes you got offended in. Because I promise you, it ain't going to get no better. That royal officer said, I'd rather die like this. I, I'd be content to die like this. But there was four leprous men, a man who, did, who already made up in their mind. Number one, we got a terminal illness. We're going to die, and it ain't going to be pleasant. Maybe their fingers had already fallen off. Maybe their nose had already fallen off. They were in the stages of leprosy, and there was no cure. But they determined in their mind, I'm already going to die, but I'm going to choose how I die. Bless God, I may die, but I ain't dying a leper. I'm not going to die of starvation. I'm not going to sit here and be miserable with a terminal illness, amen, and then just go out starving on top of that. They made up in their mind, some way or another, I'm moving. One of the smartest men in the kingdom said, even if heaven had windows, he didn't believe God could turn from a famine to a feast that fast. Didn't believe it could turn from a curse to a blessing that fast. But because four leprous men who were outcast, who were picked on for their lot in life, four leprous men decided, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to die like this. I pray to God something get a hold of us this morning that we get the faith of those four leprous men that says, you know what, I've got a terminal illness called flesh. I'm going to die anyway. Come on, if the Lord tarries, every one of us, if the Lord tarries a hundred years, amen, we're all going to go by way of the grave. I don't mean to be so positive, but I'm just putting it in this light. None of us are going to escape life unscathed. None of us are going to get out of life unharmed. None of us are going to get out of life unmarked. But you better make up in your mind how you are going to go out. And that's why I've come to preach to you this morning on this simple thought. I ain't going out like this. I said, I ain't going out like this. If I've got some say in it, I'll tell you how I'm going out. I'm going out with faith. I'm going out with passion. I'm going out with fervor. I'm going out with revival. I'm going out believing. I'm not going to sit down and die. I'm going to stand up and live. Somebody shout, I'm going to live. Hey man, the word dead can be used in a, in a wide variety of applications. We say dead water and it means something that's stagnant. We say dead town and it means something that is devoid of activity. We say a dead party and we say it's something that lacks excitement. We say dead coals and that means something that has grown cold. Hey man, we say a dead motor and it's something that's broken. A dead volcano means something that is dormant. A dead language, something that 
is no longer relevant. Dead soul, something that can no longer be used to sustain life. Dead wire, something that is disconnected from its source. Dead tired, amen, something that is worn out and exhausted. And dead on the inside, something that is numb or unresponsive. Amen, I'm telling you, that ought not to apply to the church of the living God because he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Jesus through John the Revelator in Revelations chapter three and verse one, he wrote through John to give the church, amen, in Sardis a message. And I'm reading in the New Living Translation, he says, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. You do everything right on the outside. You give like you should. You do the things you should. But on the inside of you, there's no life anymore. There's no fight anymore. There's no faith anymore. There's no fervor anymore. There's no passion anymore. You're just a dead man walking, going through the routines. But I'm telling you, not at First Church Woodland. There's a life and there's faith. and. But those four leprous men, the most unlikely candidates to deliver a city, had a different spirit. They said, if we go back, we'll die. But if we sit here, we'll die. If we go forward, we might die. Amen. But we also might live. They had not heard the word of Elisha's prophecy. They weren't in the inner courts of the king to be able to hear what the prophet said. But at about the time the prophet declared it, supernaturally Four leprous men stood up and said, if we go that way, we're going to die. If we sit here, we're going to die. But if we go to where the enemy is, we just might live. I've come to tell somebody this morning, hey amen, you may feel safe on your front porch. You may feel safe coming to church on Sunday and Tuesday, but there's a revival that is here and a revival that is coming when somebody gets up and says, it's time to get to the harvest field. It's time time to go where the enemy's working. It's time to go where the enemy is holding souls captive. It's time for my house to teach Bible studies. It's time for my bathtub to be a baptistry. I ain't going out like this. I'm not going to sit here till I die. I'm going to be used of God. Oh, I feel faith in this house right now. Those four lepers men didn't even hear the prophet. Amen, but something got a hold of them and they got a spirit, they got a spirit like people in the Bible in Genesis 43 and 14, amen, they got the spirit of Jacob and the Bible says, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your older brother and Benjamin if I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved in other words, if he's dead he's dead, the spirit of Joab in 2 Samuel chapter 2, chapter 10 verse 12 be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God the Lord will do what is right and what is good in his sight they got a spirit of Jonathan in 1 Samuel 14 and 6 and Jonathan said to the young man that bear his armor come and let us go over into the garrison of the uncircumcised it may be that the Lord will work for us it may be that the Lord will you need need to get an it may be spirit on the inside of you. You got to get an it may be spirit on the inside of you that says, I'm going to die if I sit here, but it may be that if I move forward, if I step out on faith, that the Lord is going to work for us. Amen. They got the spirit of Esther. And Esther 4, 16, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink three days and three nights. And I also and my maidens will likewise fast. And so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And Esther said these words, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I 
I perish. But I'm definitely not sitting here. An entire nation's deliverance was dependent on this young lady who determined in her mind, I didn't just happen to be here, but I've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You need to get a spirit of Esther on the inside of you that says, I'm not going to sit here and die. I'm going to stand up in faith, and if I perish, I perish. I get the spirit of Paul in Acts chapter 21 and verse 13. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Luke 9 and 24, Jesus said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. I think there's a theme running through the word of God this morning. I said, I think there's a theme running through the word of God this morning. I can either sit here and get what I've always gotten or I can stand up and I can move out on faith and I can step out in the anointing of God and say, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I believe you hold my tomorrow. I don't know what's just around the corner, but you do. I know this, I'm never gonna get anything sitting where I am, but if I'm gonna be used of God, I've gotta do determined in my heart I ain't going out like this I'm not going to sit here and die oh I feel the Holy Ghost right now those four leprous men you know the story those four leprous men got up and moved toward the enemy's camp. They were leaning on each other and hobbling. And those four, as they began to walk, hey amen, I could hear them right now. Boy, I hope they got Twinkies in that camp. Man, I, I, I sure hope they got a cheeseburger. Hey amen, I, I, I hope there's some Popeye's chicken left over. Hey, I can hear them walking to the camp. Hey amen, I, I, I sure could use some garlic bread and sketty. Hey amen, I, I'd make myself a big old thick bologna sandwich at this point. I could see them walking and drool just dripping off their chin. Hey, ma'am, you see, God didn't use the mighty. God didn't use the warriors. God didn't use their weapons. God didn't use the generals. God didn't use the colonels. God didn't use the NCOs. God didn't use the private. God didn't use the lance corporal. But what God used was the four weakest men in that city. And you want to know what qualified them to be used of God? It was their faith that said, I'm not going out like this. You see, it's not when you learn how to pray fancy. It's not when you learn how to quote the Bible, amen, from Genesis to Revelation. It's not when you get a postgraduate's degree in theology that God is willing to use you. All he's looking for this morning is somebody that'll get up and say, I ain't staying here anymore. I'm going to where the enemy is. And I'm going to find life over there. There's things over there that belong to me. There's souls over there that belong to God. Somebody shout, I ain't going out like this. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hey Amen. Those four leprous men, musicians can come. They begin to walk. And as they begin to walk, all of a sudden, what, what was four feet, uh, four sets of feet that were just moving up the road, all of a sudden it shifted. And, and, and the Bible let us know by the time they got to the enemy's camp, by the time they showed up, amen, to where the king and the Syrians were, by the time they got to the gates or, or the entrance of that camp, amen, Amen. There was smoke wisping up from the fires. Amen. There was all kinds of laundry hung on the line, but there wasn't a single enemy soldier left in sight. They left all the food. They left all the gold. They left all the silver. They left all, left all the cattle. They left all the livestock. They left everything. And you want to know why? Because as four leprous men begin to hobble toward the enemy's camp, God used their 
faith. God used their faith and he made those feet to sound like the marching of a mighty army so that the camp of the Syrians was so afraid that they got up and they ran. wasn't because they prayed long and it wasn't because they knew how to shout right and it wasn't because they had the best of this or the best of that. All they had was enough faith to say I ain't going out like this. I know I'll die if I go in the city and I'll die if I sit right here but it could be that if I head down to the enemy's camp there might be some food there and they may give us something to eat and we just might live. Some of you need to get a faith in you this morning that says I'm I'm not going to sit here anymore and I'm not going back where I came from but I'm about to move into enemy territory because there's a life there's a life there's a life come on there's a life 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 don't give me nothing slow there's life there's life. Not where I am, not where I was, but there's a life in the enemy's camp. You see, the enemy has got everything I need. The Bible said that God has laid up the blessing, the blessings of the righteous among the wicked. In other words, what you've got to understand is this. If you sit where you are, you're just going to die. But the moment you stand up and say, the enemy's got what it takes for me to survive. to sing the song said I'm going to the enemy's camp going to take back what he stole from me some of you need to get that attitude right now what do you mean pastor that there's life in the enemy's camp there's your loved ones in the enemy camp there's your healing in the enemy camp there's a breakthrough in the enemy's camp you can sit here and cry about everything you've been through or you can get up and say I'm getting it back Watch David. Watch David. He gets to Ziklag and the whole thing's been burned down. The whole thing's burned to the ground. Their wives, their children, everything has been taken. There ain't nothing left, just smoldering ashes. And the Bible said David fell down. And the Bible said he wept till he had no more power to weep. Some of the most powerful words in the Bible about human emotion. He wept until there was no more power to weep. And Brother Henderson, when he couldn't weep no more, he began to hear those that were supposed to be his best friends, those who were supposed to be his compatriots, those who were supposed to be his brothers in arms. All of a sudden, they started whispering, hey, David led us into this. I think we ought to kill him. I think we ought to go ahead and just take it out on him. When all of a sudden, David stood up and he started dusting the ashes off his knees and he wiped the muddy, soot-filled tears from his face and he looked at the priest and said, give me the effort, which was the anointing of God and he put on the effort and as soon as the anointing came upon David, David said, God, he said, I want you to, I gotta ask you a question. Do you want me to pursue and shall I overtake In other words, I ain't going out like this. I'm not going out like this. I think one of the most amazing things in that story, and I'm almost done, is simply this. David never asked one person to go with him. When the anointing from the effort came upon David, he stood up and said, all right, Lord, shall I, not can I, he didn't say, am I able or can I overtake them and recover all? That's not what he asked. He said, do you want me to? Huh? Go back and read David's writing. He never wrote like that. He never talked like that before. It was always, shall the armies of God, shall we? But in this instance, he said, shall I? When the anointing got a hold of David, he didn't even need his army. He 
just lifted up his voice and he began to cry out with fervor. God, I ain't going out like this. I'm not going out like this. Lord, shall I pursue and shall I recover all? And the Lord said, go. In other words, David said, I don't care who goes with me. I don't care who fights with me. I got enough God in me. I've got enough God on my side that when I get to the enemy's camp, I'm going to recover everything that he stole come to tell you this morning, you don't need my permission. You just need to get some faith today that says I'm not living like this. I'm not staying like this. I'm not going to die in my dilemma. I'm not going to die in the ashes of my heartache. But I'm going to get up because I'm not going out like this. Some of you, you've already given up on your miracle. Listen, this isn't a rebuke. This is, in, this is a public information announcement. You've already given up on your miracle. You've already given up on your family being saved. You've already given up on being a disciple maker. You've tried and you failed. And you're standing there in the smoldering ashes of everything God ever promised in your life. And you have already determined, well, I believe God last time and look where it got me. I tried last time and look where it got me. And there's ashes knee deep of the promises you believe God for. But God sent this service to your life today to say it is time to get up and dust yourself off. Come on, it's time to get up and shake yourself off. Jesus said if they reject you, shake the dust off your feet and keep on moving. In other words, I ain't going out like this. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die trying to live. Come on, come on, lift that voice right now. I feel faith. I feel faith soaring in this place. surgeon in this place right now. Hey man, I ain't going out like this. I'm going to go out a victor. I'm going to go out a winner. I can't guarantee what's going to happen tomorrow, but I can guarantee you come tomorrow, I won't be in the same place I am right now. I'm going to trust God and move. I'm going to trust God and go. I'm going to trust God and pursue. I'm going to trust God and walk. I'm going to trust God and believe. I'm going to trust God and put action to it. I'm going to trust God and move forward. I'm tired of sitting here. I'm tired of just believing in my heart. I'm ready to do. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be. I'm ready to see what God has. Lift those hands, lift that voice. There's a breakthrough coming to somebody right now. Hallelujah. Come on, we're already in revival, but we are on the verge of one of the greatest revivals California's ever seen. We're on the verge of one of the greatest revivals this world has ever seen. The Bible declared it, for the latter house will be greater than the former house, and the latter rain greater than that of the former rain. And I'm determined I ain't going out like this. I'm going out believing. I'm going out doing. I'm going out walking. I'm going out moving. tell you what the devil fears. I'm going to tell you something about a bully. A bully don't mind picking on you. What a bully can't stand is you standing with somebody. Can't stand you picking on Because hell ain't afraid of how fast you can work a child this morning. And the devil ain't scared how much you can dance. Let me tell you what hell fears. You getting with three other crusty little brothers and just moving. You can talk in tongues till you get an accent. That don't scare the devil. Let, let, let me tell you what terrifies the devil. Come here. 
Brother Carson, amen. You, you just get together with another leper. And you don't even got to stop. You don't got to. You just got to walk. Because God doesn't, God doesn't anoint first the talent. He anoints first the effort. I want to tell you something. Those four leprous men walking was painful. Those four leprous men walking was a sacrifice. But as soon as they started moving forward, God amplified the sound of their feet until the enemy hurt tens of thousands of men. Amen. You may think you're a nobody. You may feel like you're just an old worn-out leper. But I've come to preach to you right now. If you're willing to step out and just start moving, God's going to terrify. God's going to confound the enemy of your soul. There's victory coming to your life today. There's a miracle coming to your life today. Are there any lepers willing to step out? Are there any lepers saying, hey, I'm ready to move. I'm not going to sit here anymore. I'm not going to sit here till I die. I'm going to move to see the miraculous. I'm going to move to see a breakthrough. I'm going to move Come on, first church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, pick up those feet, put them down. Come on, pick up your feet, just march. March in place in Jesus' name. God's gonna amplify. God's gonna turn the volume up on my marching. God's going to turn up the volume of my marching. I may be one, but it's going to sound like a thousand. The Bible said one will set a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. The more I unify, the more we multiply. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.